Welcome to Inspired Teams, where we explore how human-centered organizations make working together better. Here's your host, Katherine Yeager. My guest, John Thompson, is super wired into intrinsic motivation, its role in the human state, and how that plays into the team, and therefore more broadly, into an organization. According to John, by tapping into intrinsic motivation, there is no difference between being a leader and being human, since every human has leadership within them. And this principle is the foundation of his proposal for breaking apart the three roles of a traditional manager. I invited John back to explore this, and here are his key points from our conversation. We went deeper into the opportunities for managers that they might not have noticed yet. So there's opportunities. We talked about um, the criticalness of uh, facilitators showing up as bosses disappear. And bosses disappearing is an opportunity, not a threat. And with facilitators present, they can help make sure it is practiced as an opportunity and not a threat. And with that, let's get started. Good morning, John. How are you today? Good, thanks. Hello, Catherine. Nice to be here with you. I'm here in California in the morning, and you're in Zurich. Yes, I'm so glad the days are just starting to get a little longer. Yeah, that's, that is good news, isn't it? John, you're the founder of PCO Group for People-Centered Organizations. And how would you define a people-centered organization? Well, we define a people-centric organization such that we are understanding the human state and tapping into intrinsic motivations of humans. So how did you start developing this concept of really focusing on intrinsic motivation? So I used to be a executive experiential leadership development facilitator. Well, that's almost a sentence for a title. Yeah, that's a long one. (laughs) (laughs) But suffice it to say, uh, I was with a team of people that would go into the Swiss Alps, taking executives with us, and we would do exercises that would tap into the depths of humanity very quickly. Mm. And it was all about leadership development, right? So they were paying corporate money, and it was big bucks to, to, to develop leadership. Now, what I realized pretty quickly was we were really developing humans. Mm. There's nothing specifically different about being a leader or being a human. I, we believe every human has leadership in them, right. just about recognizing leadership in different ways. And that was accelerated so fast and felt so moving by everybody involved. It it just got me completely hooked on the whole human development topic and and how to cause that kind of accelerated human development. And it was partly about tapping into intrinsic motivation, not using extrinsic motivation. What I'm curious about is you're using the term leadership development. There's a lot of discussion about leadership. 
And a lot of the discussion, I feel, when they talk about leadership, is really focused on leadership at the higher levels of the organization. You said that everyone can be a leader, right? It's within all of us. So how do you think about leadership development? John, you mentioned leadership development. Could you help us understand what that means? Leadership development is a really a corporate word for how to get everybody on the same page and making use of all the amazing human energy we all bring and everybody brings it in a unique way to whatever the common goal is. Hmm. So developing the ability to create a space that allows that uniqueness of every individual to become focused on a common goal and be able to work together to achieve that goal Mm. while maintaining every person's uniqueness. For me, that's really leadership development. Now, that's packed with lots of things that need to start to show up to create that space that causes that to happen. Words that we're often hearing about trust and communication, um, acceptance and diversity and inclusion and all kinds of topics that, that add power to that. But when you say that it's, you know, focusing on the common goal, so that is, you know, an organization needs a, a purpose that everybody is aligned to, right? And the notion yeah. of working together is also a, a thing where, and working together, everyone brings their own agency towards that goal. So it's, so there's a power, there's a power element there that you haven't explicitly used. How do we work together and how does that work from a power perspective? Well, power, when you say power, I'm wondering, are you meaning in terms of uh, who has directive um, agency uh, uh, above other people? Is that what you mean by power? Yeah, the whole notion of power over versus power with. Right. When I hear many people use the term leadership, they are actually using it in a way that implies that there's a power over, right? It's in a, that title hierarchy pyramid in a traditional organization. There's a title over somebody and they then use that to get them to do this common goal of the organization. But you're exactly. talking about working together and working with people. And so that, that implies to me a different power dynamic. Yes, exactly. And, and you, you bring up the, the framing very well. So we weren't teaching people how to direct other people of what to do, okay? And creating uh, trust between the leader and each of the participants. We didn't do that. We always created a, a scenario, a situation where there, in fact, was not a boss. There was not a leader, okay? Everybody is considered a leader because everybody is unique. They bring their own perspective on every situation, every moment. And that uniqueness is what allows every person to be a leader 
in showing or, or describing a different perspective they have. So we see everybody as a leader, okay? And there's not somebody telling others what to do. And this is what would often really surprise these executives is after a few days of developing the, the building blocks for operating in that kind of environment, no boss, common purpose, and the skill sets to accept and work with other people who are unique, mm. they, they would typically be quite almost overwhelmed emotionally and intelligently at how powerfully that works when those things come together without a single boss or a single leader. Now, mm -hmm. it's true with some problems, some challenges, you need to move quickly, you need decisive leadership, as some people might say. Well, a team may be able to recognize, oh, this problem has a short time frame, needs quick decision-making. You can't do quick decision-making and consensus all at the same time. So the team would get behind somebody. Mm. They would say, hey, this person would probably be very good at this. Um, let's give that person a name, Sally. Sally, you would probably be good at this kind of a problem. Would you be willing to lead us and we will support you? Mm. And that's a matter of the team saying, when we need quick decisions, we believe in you to make the best quick decision. We also at the same time believe in you to listen to us because we will also be able to give you bits of insights and feedback that we each have. So you can put these insights together into creating the best quick decision we need to be able to accomplish this short time frame task. I love how you describe the dynamic quality of making decisions of who is in the best position to make a decision and uh, and you've also implied a timing element there for depending on what you're doing or what decision needs to be made there's different ways to go about it how did the these executives hi the swiss alps how did they respond to this different approach to making decisions and to a leadership role? So I think the key word in that question is respond to. Mm. We would never tell them this is what they need to do. We would never tell them there are different leadership uh, perspectives to different kinds of problems. We would run them through different kinds of challenges that require different kinds of leadership. And one of the numerous key elements we would give this group of people we would have in front of us was we would let them fail. Oh. We would give them something small enough that wasn't going to cause harm to anybody or the environment, et cetera, and let them fail. And they would typically fail, not always, but they would typically fail and then the key point about having these skilled leadership development facilitators with you mm. is they know how to observe and they know how to ask questions. Mm. And just by asking questions of the team, creating space for time to reflect, 
and bringing in the right kinds of questions, the people would, and this was to my surprise as I learned how to work in this industry, it was shocking to me how they consistently came up with essentially the same answers themselves. People saw it over and over, different groups of people from different industries, different seniority, different cultures, and they would consistently come up with the same realizations, new awareness themselves of what it needs to be able to work together and to bring different types of leadership within any group of people. The thing that comes to mind is a real sense-making, being very aware of the others and the conversation. Exactly. You also said something that made me think of you know, just bringing your own agency to this. You said that they were able to um, decide for themselves. And so they didn't need somebody else to tell them what to do. Absolutely. So, so what you, they experienced was practicing this and really Im- embodying this experience. Exactly. There's something terribly important about experiencing leadership and participating in leadership terribly important about experiencing it versus studying it and reading about it. Mm. Okay. It's, it's kind of like, I'm going to study about how good can I exercise? How efficiently can I exercise? I might study that every day. Well, I'm not getting more fit by studying it. Okay. I'm not becoming a better leader by studying being a better leader. I have to actually practice it. And that was extremely important. And that, as you say, embodied, it became part of these people, the the pain of missing uh, what needs to be done. And that pain, that emotion burns that learning into the person. Okay. Uh, and with all of the people doing it together, they, um, shall we say, suffered together, mm-hmm. but they deeply enjoyed and were highly attracted to the result of that, which was amazing self-growth for each person. John, you are advocating to redefine the role of the manager. So with this background of leadership development, embodied leadership, how do you see the role of a traditional manager and how are you advocating for this to change so that everyone can be a leader? Excellent question. Love how you put that question together because it pulls together this this view of what I learned about human development. So when we had executives or large teams of managers in the Swiss Alps, we created an environment where there was not a boss. There was no manager. And people gravitated quickly to opportunities to grow themselves. And Without a boss or a manager, they had the space to learn things much faster. They didn't have someone to defer their personal responsibility to. Mm, okay. And that, ca- that causes a certain, on the one hand, it's an opportunity. Many people will see and feel the many opportunities that allows. 
At the same time, it causes a certain fear. It's a certain caution, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not used to having this much self-responsibility within the team and in trying to accomplish a specific goal that the team is trying to accomplish. And with that fear, I'm now suddenly very hungry for any support around me to help me succeed at whatever it is I'm joining the team in doing. And that hunger sets aside a lot of ego, uh, sets, uh, opens up one for um, uh, healthy humility to get the support needed to be a productive part of a self-managed team. How do you see a typical manager in the title pyramid hierarchy that most organizations have today? That role seems to be made up of three big areas of responsibility. One is being a subject matter expert at some topic. One is developing humans. And one is organizing how a team functions together. Most typical manager roles have those three elements within the role, more or less. Right. So if I'm a subject matter expert, that's oftentimes how I get promoted. There's also an element that in getting that promotion, there's a belief that I can can lead the people. But a lot of times it is that subject matter expertise. Is that how you see it? Yes, exactly. And therein lies the problem. I can see the, the simple logic of that happening. Okay. You're the best salesperson in the sales team. Let's have you lead the team and tell people how to be great salespeople because you're a great salesperson. Okay. Um, and there's a fallacy in that. And now we have data to show that. Okay. There, there's enough. There was even a study about salespeople. That's why I picked that example okay. where they, they took the best salesperson and then they made them the head of the sales team and sales. Um, uh, significantly would go down. Really? Statistically significant that the best salesperson becoming the sales team's leader, then sales would go down. Doesn't mean it did every time. I'm sure there's uh, exceptions out there. But, but the different person who's a, it's a, it's a whole different thing to, different skill set. To, to create space for people to quickly grow into what they need to grow into to succeed at some topic. That's a whole different high cognitive function from the practice of actually doing sales. It's two different functions altogether. And we can genericize this to say, being a subject matter expert is one high cognitive function, whatever the topic is. Developing humans is a completely different high cognitive function and requires a completely different skill set. Now, we know intuitively, and now we know scientifically, that splitting your focus between multiple high cognitive functions reduces your capabilities in any one of those high cognitive functions. Mm. So that's interesting, maybe different than multitasking, drinking coffee while I'm reading. But these high cognitive functions really are requiring a greater, what is it, expertise or focus? 
focus. Exactly. Requires a great and and the people that are really great at developing humans are leadership development facilitators. There's a whole industry out there of people who are great at it. Now, the problem I see with the industry is those people that are great at that and they get paid big money for executives to get to go experience that and get great growth. The problem with that industry is it's event-based. People go and experience it. They get a burst of human growth in a few days and then they leave that environment and they come back to the, the corporate environment that isn't creating that kind of space. Right. And so what I want to see happen, what I really want to see happen is because I felt the power of that accelerated human growth. I really want the masses of people to experience that human growth, not just once, but to have that be part of their lives. It creates a whole different world for each individual and for the people working together. So what you're saying, instead of going to um, an hour training or a day or a week, whatever it is, to somehow embed the training and the practice of human development into a team to really embed it. The other thing I'm hearing from you is that while in a, the a traditional manager role, this notion of human development or how to kind of mentor and help my people grow, that that really is its own uh, subject matter expertise, just like being a really strong engineer, a good marketing professional. Those are deep skills that people learn. What I'm hearing from you is that to develop leadership and humans, that is its own expertise. And what we need to do in a progressive organization is acknowledging that and separating that rollout. Exactly. Absolutely. One of the things that I started doing as I started to see the bigger picture of what was going on with developing these humans is I started asking these executives as they were done with their week with us, would it be Forget if it's possible, just imagine with me in, in a fantasy world, would it be good or bad if the rest of your organization, and these were typically organizations with tens or even hundreds of thousands of people, would it be good or bad if everybody got what you just got? Mm. And, and I was surprised to get a very consistent response. And what did the executives say? The executives then would say, well, first of all, yes, I agree that's not possible. But it would be amazing. It would be a game changer if that were possible. And I said, well, that's curious. Why, why would that be a game changer? And the consistent answer was, I could lead this company so much faster. This company would really be the clear leader of our industry because we could steer it so much faster. We could make, mis we could make mistakes and correct so quickly. Hmm. And people would understand why we're doing this because everybody would be in this constant development process at this high level of accepting what this high level of working together is like. Help me understand what makes it faster from their perspective. I guess maybe you just answered that, didn't you? Well, no, because, because then everybody has a common understanding of failing is okay how to support people in failing, how to be careful not to fail too big, 
test and try things, mm. but don't be afraid to test and try things. Mm. Okay, this balance of doing that in such a way that one has a spark of an idea, I'd like to try that and try to gather support from others around them. And others might say, maybe, we're not sure. Can we try a little bit? Try a little bit and fail at the little bit but not throw away the bigger vision and keep trying to get the bigger vision of the idea. That's something we saw over and over again. And that was so exciting to see them learn how to go through these iterations faster and faster. But John, I'm, I'm, help me understand something. What you just said of going faster don't be afraid to fail, all of these things. It is in the vernacular. I read that all over the place. Exactly. In organizations that today don't have this concept of human development, they just are training, training leaders, right, right, of a title. So what really makes this different than your traditional organization out there that that wants right. what you say, and, and some of them claim it, yeah. what's really making a difference here? So at the, at the PCO, at the People-Centric Organizations Group, we have gone very deep into understanding what blocks an organization from getting what these groups of people in the Swiss Alps would get. Okay, what blocks that? Because like you say, I see this in the industry. Let's train our managers to be more coach-like. How can they facilitate teams to take on responsibility? What is missing so far is that two pieces need to come together at the same time. The control of a boss needs to disappear at the same time that the support of human development shows up. Yet these are two critical points, the control of the boss and support of human development. What do you mean by control of the boss and how is that affecting this? Control of the boss, what I mean by that is that there is someone there for a team to expect to tell them what to do, okay? That needs to disappear. Sorry, those two things need to happen at the same time. Now, one of I, there's a book out there uh, called First Fire All the Managers, which is, yes. of course, attention getting. Oh, my gosh, what is that person talking about? Uh, and I read the book. I forget exactly the details of it, but I read it. And it's not as um, um, provocative. Or shattering. Is there shattering or provocative? It's got great topics in it. I love what it talks about, um, but it, it doesn't really mean let's fire all the managers. It means, and maybe this was because of my lens, it means stop putting people in this dysfunctional role called manager. Just stop, stop filling those roles. Now you don't have to. You don't actually have to fire your managers. That's that's fear. We don't want to work from a state of fear. Fear, unhealthy fear is not good. Competitive is good. Trying to do something different or more or stronger, that's fine. And that's, that's a competitive um, drive, shall we say. Uh, and I, when I say competitive, I mean more competitive against oneself, although one can measure against others as well to get a sense of the environment. You mentioned stop filling the role of a dysfunctional manager. What makes the manager role dysfunctional? 
So we talked about that earlier just a little bit about it, ha- it is packed with different high cognitive functions, being a subject matter expert, developing humans, and organizing a team. And humans are not made to do multiple high cognitive functions at the same time. We can switch quickly, but we're not supposed to do them at the same time. It costs us a lot of energy, and we, we lose the depth of how good we can be at any one of those. So the role is actually dysfunctional, scientifically, for humans to fill. Well, if that's the case, let's just stop filling that role and start filling a different set of roles that are better made for humans. And we can I love that. We can simply start with just those three functions. Let's say a team needs some subject matter expert on, let's say it's a sales team. We want someone who's very advanced at sales, providing perspective and insights on what needs to happen in really good sales. Okay, so we hire a subject matter expert to be advising the team, setting examples for the team, being a subject matter expert at doing great sales. Now, the thing is, we don't want to forget is maybe that isn't a full-time job. Maybe that's only a 50% of the time job. So hire someone 50% who's really great at that to accompany your sales team. And as I said earlier, it needs to be accompanied at the same time with that skill set of leadership development facilitators to also accompany the team to help them through the uh, challenges of growing themselves to take on what it is they want to take on. Okay, John, I'm, so what I want to do, so you've mentioned three roles of, of a manager and how to break those apart into different individuals. We talked about the subject matter expert. A second role that you mentioned of a manager is um, the organization of the team or kind of the governance of the team. How would you re-execute the role of organization and governance of the team? What happens when you set aside the boss role that has typically been there and you've inserted the leadership development person, the organizational and government part of the team then becomes owned by the team. So you don't actually need a third. The third role is the team itself taking on that role. And it's the team themselves that figures out how to work together through the help of leadership development facilitators They decide what works best for them to perform their best because every team is different and is made up of different people. The sales team needs a different environment from the accounting team. And so the team does their own governance. So with this, the team can can govern and decide so many things for themselves and thus taking the onus off of the boss. And I think there's a different, I love the term boss versus manager because boss means I'm bossing you around Mm. and I'm telling you what to do. That a group does not need that element anymore because as adults and using the phrase adult to adult relationships, 
the team can decide so many things for themselves that they don't need a boss for that. And people are not accustomed to working in that environment. So it can be a little, a little messy, a little confusing um, for them to figure out how to do that. And that's why it's important to be accompanied by leadership development to help them find ways to do their own governance. John, tell us about the role of human development and an embedded coach facilitator that would be in that role. So in that role, that person typically has this, well, does have the skill of being able to observe, has the skill to be able to separate their own emotions from what's going on, observing systemic things that are happening in a group. And they're also very good at being removed from the results. That's actually very important. The team has responsibility for results. The facilitator is responsible for helping the team be aware of what they're not aware of in the way Mm -hmm. they're working together, not Mm -hmm. in how to accomplish the goal. So this really helps them be more self-managed. I'm looking for a stronger word than help. It's critical in them being successfully self-managed. I, I remember uh, I talking. Yeah. I remember talking with um, Doug Kirkpatrick at one point. We were having a, yeah. a drink somewhere in California, and we were talking about the what was important for creating these environments of self-management. And I loved learning from him that one of the problems of self-management is he's such an expert in self-management and has lived it he's for, amazing. for the last 30 years. He's got deep experience yeah. in that. And so many companies are interested, but they don't have the deep experience. Right. And he said, one of the problems that happens down the road, once you've tried to move into self-management, is this problem of where is the self-development? You end up with uh, people in the organization who are who become complacent in what they're doing. They become very comfortable and complacent with what they're doing and innovation suffers. And sometimes the organization around them starts to suffer because they're doing what they were, what they chose to do and support, but they're not developing further with the organization. And he said he started to notice how that would sometimes cause discomfort in the organization. Mm, and cause a, a, an emotional separation from different parts of the organization. And so he was missing leadership development facilitation skills in the organization to see that and to poke at it, to cause it to be resolved amongst the people themselves. Right. So it is in this role again of leadership development, you have an expert in these in the coaches who really help bring that out with the team because the team is focused on their subject matter expertise, right? Exactly. You don't, I don't think you want, I don't know, I don't have enough research behind this, but I don't think you want, although I don't think you can exclude, or you have to exclude, a facilitator, and I'm careful to use facilitators instead of coaches, there is a a nuance of a difference there. Um, A facilitator who maybe comes from 
For example, I come from the IT world. Therefore, do I want to be a facilitator of a team that's in the IT industry? I don't believe it would distract me, but it could distract me because I'm also have some subject matter expertise in the topic, which could distract me from the human development part that needs to happen. John, you, you said um, you said something very important that there's a difference between a coach and facilitator. And there's these terms, coach, facilitator, mentor. Can you unpack those three for us and help us help me understand those three things in the context of what you're advocating? Well, there's a lot to uncover in that question. Uh, and so we won't do that here. We, that would be a whole nother podcast on, it, on its own, the nuances of differences between coaches, facilitators, and mentors. What you're advocating to redefine the role of manager and restructuring these three pieces and restructuring these pieces into a subject matter expert, giving a more responsibility to the colleagues around the team, and enhancing and bringing to light a role of human development or leadership development makes just sense to me. A lot of organizations, a lot of companies are moving towards this quote-unquote bossless, I can think of Zappos has done things along this line, hire, Bosch power tools. Yet, I'm feeling there may be resistance. There are a lot of people who've built their lives, their, who they are around being a boss, being a t achieving a title in a hierarchy. And this is kind of breaking the camel's back. What would you say to those who are resistant to the concept? Great question. I'm glad you asked that because it's looking further down the road than the first day of saying no more bosses. There's amazing opportunities for people that are currently in those kinds of roles. The amazing opportunity is that those people in those roles can choose what do they want to focus on. Some people in those roles are really good with the people skills. And so they might want to focus on developing their leadership development facilitation skills and be able to focus on just that role and let go of all those responsibilities of showing the team has accomplished X, Y, and Z, or being responsible to their boss for what the team is supposed to accomplish, to let go of all of that stress and be able to just focusing on developing the people. What a great opportunity to fill the fulfillment of that or the other way around. Just focus on your subject matter expertise. Now, let's look at focusing on the subject matter expertise for just a second. What is the opportunity here? As Doug says in his TED talk about beyond empowerment, that subject matter expertise person now has the freedom to be able to how to expand their subject matter expertise. What more could they bring into that? They might have very interesting other interests that they can combine in a unique way because every person is unique. So, for example, the person being head of sales might also be interested in some part of engineering for some reason. 
And so they could go spend some time in the engineering department offering some skills or interests they have in helping the engineering part department while also being the subject matter expert in the sales department. You've brought up a couple of things for me. One is um, the role of interoperable teams, teams that are made up of multiple functions. And so it's organizing a project or a product with the sales, marketing, engineering, UI, all of these different functions within that team instead of being functionally delineated and matrix managed. So I think that there holds a huge possibility there as we rethink how do we want to bring a product and that innovation forward. Another thing that um, to bring to light is there are organizations historically that have said it that you can be promoted and further develop your expertise without being a manager. Many companies, IBM is famous for this. Um, other tech companies that I know of, they have in the engineering department, you can continue in a, to be a, a functional engineer and stay in that engineering track. And in that role, gain the recognition of being a senior technologist. Or you're an engineer and you want to go into the traditional manager track, you can do that as well. It's curious to me that in the role of engineering, they do separate that out and allow someone to be just stay with that subject matter expertise in engineering. But in other functions, they don't allow that. I love what you're bringing forward here in saying that every function should have that. And it has the possibility of creating a lot of new possibilities. Absolutely. The possibilities are numerous, possibly endless, because every human is unique. That's where we're allowing the humans to be unique, because every person is going to have a different combination of interests that they're going to bring to supporting the purpose of the organization. And that's what having only a few leaders or having bosses cannot do. They cannot see the intrinsic motivation in people. They have to allow people to bring out their intrinsic motivation. And that means allowing people to define their own roles. Now, I have to say immediately, that needs to be balanced, of course, with does the organization need what the person wants to bring? And that's a mm. certain negotiated process where a person has an interest with a unique combination of interests and skills that they want to bring to the purpose of the organization. And they have to then sell that within the organization. John, I love the possibility that you are envisioning here. If someone is excited about this and they want to do something right away, independent of their organization that they're in. What suggestion might you give them? Find others who are talking about the same thing and share your thoughts and frustrations and questions with them. Because in community, it's amazing the ideas and solutions that show up. Of course, mm, I, I would always that. invite people to come um, book some coaching time with us, uh, even just have a chat with us whenever possible. Mm. Uh, we now run a peer coaching group 
where people get together and help each other to find the solutions to change their organization from where they are. It doesn't take a senior leader with a title to do it. People can do it in all kinds of positions in the organization by simply offering things to the people around them in new ways. I, I love that. Finding community and, and you can be the instigator behind a movement. Thank you very much, John, for sharing your ideas and thoughts and an exciting possibility for all of us. Absolutely. I just so hope to see millions of people experiencing the deep thrill of being fulfilled and in community of others who are helping you to be fulfilled. John's passion and his belief in our ability to raise our human and leadership potential is so evident. I love how he invites us to find new possibilities, to go deeper with experiential learnings and practices, and to co-create a community. I invite you to listen to two companion episodes, the previous episode with Sonia Robinson, where we talk about the power of peer coaching. She's a colleague with John at the PCO Group. And my first conversation with John, where we delve into other aspects of the journey of human development through coaching on redefining the role of the manager with the PCO Group. What inspired you from this conversation? Do you have one idea, even a small one, that you could turn into a little experiment? Are there others that you could invite to join you in this experiment? Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate hearing your feedback and any takeaways. Find out more at inspiredteams.org.